God, it's me. This it's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> Hi, I'm Cynthia Murphy, and I'm Georgia Bowers, and this is Delete My Browser History. Happy New Year! No, Happy New Year, and congratulations to somebody whose book has just come out and had a birthday. Yes, so I'm now old, and I have three books um, out in the world. Uh, the Midnight Game came out on the 5th of Jan, so you can go and terrify yourself with it now. Perfect. And the launches are later this month, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah, in between, yeah, two launches, one in London, one in Manchester with Naomi Gibson. Go and read her book as well, Game Over Girl. That came- I think it's only fair that you're having two launches for this one because then you're like, you're, you're caught up then because you didn't have a launch <laughs> for the first book because of COVID. That's true, yeah. So we got one last year, didn't we? But I've never done a London one, so that's going to be exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Right. So should we just dive straight into this? Because you've got you've got like one that you've warned me about, so I'm going to brace yeah. myself for that. And I've got so this changed direction as I was researching it. So originally, I was researching Mary Toft. Do you remember her? We mentioned her when I think we were talking about haunted libraries and Harry Price had a collection. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And one of his um, books that was in the collection was or a study was Mary Toft, who gave birth to loads of rabbits. So I was researching her because I thought, oh, she sounds interesting. And then I couldn't get past the whole <laughs> doctors being like, yeah, this is a thing. This is fine. Um women give birth to rabbits so it just sort of I just sort of changed direction a little bit because I just couldn't get past that so I'm talking to you today about things that people used to believe about women oh yeah so there's going to be lots of talk about women's nether regions and menstruation so if that upsets you then (laughs) if you can't cope with a period if you can't cope, yeah, with something that half the world do and experience, <laughs> then find another podcast and grow up. So <laughs> the reason I got the reason I got to this stage, have we got a bit of a lag? I don't know. You keep you keep taking ages to laugh at my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, your jokes are just really bad. Um, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, as long as we're all right. So we'll perhaps talk about Mary Toft another time, but basically she was this poor young woman. When you read when you read the study of her, she apparently gave birth to some rabbits. Uh, but what happened was that she was basically forced into it by her mother-in-law. They didn't get any money or anything, but it was just, I've read various things and it was like a bit of a political statement because they used rabbits and um, she was very young and she just kept getting all this attention and she was taken to London where she was studied but one of the doctors was called Dr Morbury he was part of the case and the reason that he was involved was because he was an expert on all things uh, that sort of fell into this realm of women giving birth to weird stuff and he was a big believer of this thing called um what's the what's it called sorry I've got it written down here somewhere Oh, I'll get to it. Sorry. Um, what was it? The Elephant Man. Um, 
What what was his diagnosis? Hold on. He he believed that if you saw something while you were pregnant, it would affect, oh, okay. it could affect yeah. your baby. Like it would so, imprint on them. Yeah, it was I think it was called like pregnancy impression or something. I've got it written down here. I'll get to it anyway. I'm probably completely wrong. But he really believed that. So like if if a child if a baby was born and it had like a little birthmark in the shape of a strawberry he'd be like did you look at a strawberry and the mother would be like yes i did and he was like that's why your baby's got a birthmark shaped like a strawberry so you know reasonable stuff but he <laughs> believed this thing that um it was possible to give birth to a rodent or a rabbit because he believed in these things called sutikins and a sutokin is a monstrous little animal, the likeness of anything in shape and size to um, a mole. It has a hooked snout, fiery, sparkly eyes, a long red neck and a very short tail. At first sight of the, um, it, it shrieks fearfully and it will just, when it comes out, it will scurry off like a little demon. Doesn't that sound lovely? That's horrible. Ew. I know. And apparently, so this originated in the, Netherlands in about the mid 17th century and this is what would happen to a young woman if she decided to warm her nether regions on the stove top so if she was feeling a bit cold yeah and you just you know think just bend over and warm myself up on on this stove top then apparently all the heat and the ash would apparently all come together in her nether regions and develop into this grotesque soot-covered rat creature which would develop oh instead of or along with her baby they really believed that cynthia they thought that, that is was so ridiculous and also my first issue with that is i have never ever ever in my 39 years of life thought my vagina feels really cold today I, i've, I've I never felt the need to just warm it up like there's other things that you'd be warming up beforehand so that's true that's I did read though that someone who's not got nether region <laughs> it's so funny that that's what you take from it <laughs> yeah don't know I did read though that um women's undergarments didn't have they had a well, hole there so that yeah, they could they, go for a pee quickly so maybe it was very drafty yeah maybe yeah so maybe that was a thing but also, like, if you just want to warm your nether regions on the stovetop, just do it, mate. But, like, this doctor's like, no, don't do it because you'll give birth to a grotesque rat-like creature. They just didn't w want women to do anything. But apparently, no. do you know, you know Stuart Little? Yeah. Was he meant to be one he's of those creatures? Yeah, that's what he's oh supposed to God. be. Yeah. That has just ruined that so for so that many people. better. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, anyway, so that's how I've ended up on, on here, things that people used to believe <laughs> about women. And so I'm just going to dive straight in here. So we're starting off with periods. Sorry, guys. But they people believe sorry. that periods have lots. Of, no, I'm not going to apologise. Uh, people believe that periods have lots of special powers and the period itself but also when you're on your period and also when it comes out of you so we're going to get onto this so this is from natural history by pliny the elder or Pliny. we haven't decided which one it is have we uh this is around ad 77 and there's an entire section about the various powers that women have when it's shark week so apparently if you walk past some plants you could wilt them so in your path <laughs> if you imagine that 
you could dim the brightness of mirrors just by being on your period and you could make dogs go crazy. You could also kill a swarm of bees. I mean, oh, I think Marvel are missing a trick here, really. <laughs> period woman. Period woman, that's right. <laughs> you could make iron rust. Ivory would lose its polish and steel blades would become blunt. How I mean, much how, did so people potent. hate women? Like, I know, I'm so scared. So scared of them. It's just insane. Yeah. Also, this is useful. I don't know how you'd end up in this situation or like the sort of practicalities of it. But if your menstrual secretions were exposed during a lightning storm, it would drive the storm away. Oh, that's quite handy. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh. Also, uh, in the 12th century, Hildegard of Bing Bingen said it could cure leprosy. So that was handy. And also in ancient Egypt, they used it in a lot of different medicines. But how do you get the period blood? How do you go just go around to all these women being like, give me your give me your rags? Like, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. Anyway, so also they believe that when it's leaving the body, it's evil. So in the 16th and 17th centuries, they believed that menstrual blood built up inside your body and became corrupted and would attain a malignant and venomous quality. <gasps> well, I can I can see some truth in that. I can see why people might feel that way. Yeah, and, that's a good horror film. Yeah, so, and so they would think of it as a monthly purging of those evil humours, which is what I'm going to call it from now on. <laughs> So if you that meant, though, that if you were menopausal, they believed that it was just building and building and building inside of you because it, there was nothing coming out. So that's that's another reason why they were so scared and suspicious of older ladies who were going through menopause who stopped having their periods. And sorry, but like, how do all these men know when all these women are having their periods? It's it's yeah, because it's not like they did anything like wash them. And I, I doubt that like. I doubt that men back then would bring a nice cup of tea and some chocolate. No, it's not like they were like, you know. can you go down in the corner shop, get me some Tampax? They just wouldn't know, would they? No. Anyway, so yeah, I imagine they just, they just imagine these older women walking around with this like gluttonous blob of evil in them. Oh. They probably didn't want to go near them in case they exploded or something because they were harbouring this pure evil menstrual blood, which obviously meant that they were a witch. So that's another reason why a lot of these older ladies were accused of witchcraft. Okay. Uh, they also believe women you know. had fewer teeth. I know, it's brilliant. Women had fewer teeth than men, it was believed. This is Aristotle. This is down to Aristotle. This isn't the only mention of teeth. I'll just warn you. Aristotle believed that a woman was incomplete, was an incomplete version of a man and had fewer teeth than, than, than a man. So they were inferior. And again, it was just another way of controlling them. <sighs> but imagine having a guy being like, no, you can't do that job. Why not? You don't have as many teeth as me. <laughs> well, then it's an How many teeth um, do you have? In the Bible. So, which is later than Aristotle. It's like about the rib, isn't it? So, a woman is made out of the rib of a man. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so, I also read that some people thought that, yeah, that a, a woman was like a malformed man and something had gone wrong in the womb and that, like, their lady parts was like an inverted penis that had come out wrong. 
But I mean, I mean, really, when you look at men and women, which one looks wrong? <laughs> which private, which, which private parts are not well designed, less less visually pleasing. <sighs> anyway, yeah. Anyway, and not practical to have all of that stuff on the outside that's so precious and you know sensitive. Anyway, we'll continue. <laughs> They also believed that women's wombs floated around in their body, causing all sorts of problems. So if a woman had like a headache or something, they are oh, your wombs <laughs> floated up and launched itself <laughs> in your brain. Excellent. <laughs> and they would they would um use like different scents to get the womb to move back to where it should be. So if she had a headache or an earache, she'd smell something um horrible. And then the womb, because obviously it has a sense of smell, you go, oh, and it would like retreat back down to where it's supposed to go. <laughs> and um, yes, it was. And this was all tied up with the whole idea of hysteria, which Hippocrates came up with. And it was just an explanation for everything that was wrong with women. You know, if you were having any kind of gynecological issues, it was because of hysteria or if you were you know anxious or um stressed or depressed it was because of hysteria and it took so that just still i mean you don't hear people describing men as being hysterical do you it still happens now that women are hysterical yeah. and of course what do you think the cure for stopping your womb from moving around was being pregnant as much as possible. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. so then it can't move. Ew. Yeah, that's what the doctors told them. Just make sure you're always pregnant and then you'll be okay. Wow. Yeah. Reading makes women infertile. This is from 19, no, sorry, 1884, a Harvard professor named Edward H. Clark. He wrote a book called Sex in Education, A Fair Chance for the Girls. And he said that while women are capable of learning, too much will lead to infertility. So he recommended oh my God. that girls should probably receive limited education. Oh, funny that, isn't it? What is, oh, ugh. it's so annoying. I know, I know. And it's and so then scary there was that it wasn't other... that long ago. Oh, no, I mean, it just gets worse. And there was these two other doctors that disproved him to lady doctors. So <laughs> well, they, they obviously had an ulterior motive. Didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Next, uh, women on their period are dirty. Mm. Well, not just when they're on their period. Women are dirty, aren't they? We all know that. So this has been around since the dawn of time, since people started like recording history of the world. So in the Old Testament, it, it there's bans on women performing certain things when they when Aunt Flo was visiting because it was thought that they were unclean and toxic. And there was a 13th century medical manual that said a woman on the blog could poison the eyes of children just <laughs> from looking at her. Imagine. This went on so long, right into, like, even in the 1920s, there was a doctor called Bella Schnick who described a menstrual toxin that was secreted through women's sweat when she was menstruating. The Scientific American said that there was lots of experiments, inverted commas, probably male doctors, I'd guess. This was in the 1940s, proving that the bodies gave off this poison when the painters were in. The doctors called this substance menotoxin, and it was secreted 
from women when they were menstruating and it would cause them to be ill and possibly their offspring or their children and it was so strong this toxin that women could wilt flowers by touching them and they took the blood and injected it into a mouse and it killed it well i think any kind of blood being injected into a little mouse would probably kill it this was in 1940 they were doing this and they believed it and obviously it's absolute bollocks it's like just totally made up totally made up women's brains are smaller and less capable and i mean (sighs) women's brains are smaller their bodies are smaller but they're not any less capable and they function in the same way but this maybe was one of the reasons they told women that they couldn't vote because they didn't their brains weren't as big so they couldn't think properly and make the right decisions and lots of women actually believed this because they were joining like the anti um suffragette movements and being like no no we shouldn't have our own thoughts and we shouldn't be able to vote because we're incapable it's so scary it is and it's um like that they've just been told that that's just complete indoctrination of that you know they've just been told that since they were tiny um there is a letter from queen victoria at the british library you ever seen it i spotted it last time i was in there you know the free room that you could go in downstairs and it's all like yeah it's got all the books and stuff um you know because it's a library and there's this letter from queen victoria basically saying, oh, yes, I really hope that the suffragettes don't um, succeed and, you know, I yeah. think it's all a silly folly and I don't think... Yeah. Like, she's essentially saying, I don't think women should have rights and be in power. And she was the no. queen. <laughs> yeah, I know. She was, like, it's the crazy. woman in power. Like, did, was she just saying that to placate men? Or did she really think that and was... Oh, that's quite scary. In it, yeah, it it's scary and one thing that I sort of uh, realized well when I was going through all of this research I mean this is all like we're talking about the dark ages but then we are going right up into the 1940s which is not that long ago and actually there's loads of stuff that people have said recently that I I couldn't I didn't even I couldn't have the energy to get into it because it is just so scary but some of the things that politicians say and actually believe about women's bodies and women's rights and the right to choose and about about rape and abortion and everything but I just couldn't I couldn't get into it yeah yeah this is all so long ago that you can kind of laugh at it but actually at the time it would have been a horrific way to live wouldn't it but yeah it's just it's scary very scary so this one i get i think you can use this one as an excuse if you're not feeling like going to the gym but they thought that exercise was was um really dangerous especially for women's delicate flower area um <laughs> i do remember being told not to exercise though um, yeah on your period and then as i got older and like women's magazines they'd be like gentle exercise is actually really good and useful it's good for you yeah Yeah. and they just thought that it was bad because women were always ill every month they were just like oh they're so weak and ill every month they're just Mm. they're not up to doing exercise it's really bad for them and there was this 19th century doctor who said that girls shouldn't skip because it made their feet flat and it damaged their lungs and caused twisting of the bowels as well as chronic headaches I mean, from skipping, from jumping over a rope. Why would that not happen in a male? I know, exactly. But then... None of them are specific to a woman, are they? No, there was another 
director of a gymnastics teacher training institute who said that women shouldn't exercise uh, because of the sudden and jerking new movements and on account of the particular position of the female reproductive organs they're just so scared of our delicate sensibilities just all falling out or I don't I don't know I think that's what they were frightened of do you think that's what they're frightened of that something like that might happen and they have to actually deal with it or like Maybe. this poor old lady walking around with period building up inside her body she <laughs> might explode on you because <laughs> men and women like their gentle area is so different and because there is a hole for women did they think yeah. that doing too much stuff it would just like all shoot out one day especially if that womb is moving around constantly exactly is it just exactly out if they're skipping too much or come out of your nose (laughs) (laughs) yeah when you're doing roly-polies uh right so breast milk is actually coagulated menstrual blood this is really old i know from ancient times through to the middle ages people believed that breast milk was menstrual blood they thought it was the same. They thought it was the same stuff. I mean, they thought it was the same stuff. It's a different color. Yeah. But they they reckon it had been heated, coagulated, and then the air makes it go white. And they were I mean, still okay what, with babies having it. I know. Yeah. That. I mean, that's that's very strange. It's that's the sort of stuff you can see some like weird chat room thing going on Ooh. between some like. Are those you know, guys who are living in their basements and they're like everyone knows that like breast milk is made from blood and they're like yeah dude oh i mean yeah, could you imagine people actually, could are you feeding imagine? their babies menstrual blood yeah <laughs> bad personalities were down to your ovaries so if you weren't very like likable you had to it was all your ovaries fault <laughs> in the 18th century they thought that a woman's personality was dominated by her ovaries and this is really scary. One way to treat female disorders, including hysteria and nervous symptoms, was to remove their ovaries. Oh, that's horrible. And over over I can't say it. The removal of ovaries operation was performed on tens of thousands of women in this time period until 1906. How scary is that? And how scary you know it yeah. was a risk going into surgery yeah yeah it? that's what i mean so, that's such an invasive surgery that yeah i bet just the like, death rate was you're so such high. a dick we, yeah we need to we need to remove your ovaries so that you're a bit more likable and then what did they do afterwards when you were an even bigger dick because you were in yeah and uh yeah had infected god knows what yeah so this is a greek one vagina dentata which i'm sure people have heard of mm. they believe that there was teeth inside the vajayjay and lots of theorists now think that this was all down to castration anxiety on the part of these men who wrote these stories and came up with these ideas and just general fear of women i've got a really fun fact about that but i don't know if, if you want to hear it yeah i do want to hear it <laughs> okay so vagina dentata is obviously a myth but on rare occasions, a woman can find a stray tooth down there. Oh! This is grown from the embryonic cells that develop into hair, teeth and bones inside the body. They typically occur in the ovaries, but if one bursts, you can end up with teeth or bone in your special area. That is horrible. 
but that they're is. not attached to anything. Nightmare, nightmare. Can you imagine finding that? Well, how do you even Google that? You go on the NHS <laughs> helpline and you're like, uh, I've got just found a tooth oh. down there. Oh, there's um, because tumors can have teeth, yeah, and yeah, hair and stuff, so it's just like cells isn't it and the way that they grow oh yeah I that it used to but, I mean like like we don't have enough to worry about oh god that is horrible imagine it wasn't you who found it either oh yeah <laughs> that it would be <gasps> traumatic oh very my god. traumatic <laughs> very traumatic right so if you're a woman the best way to lose weight was to obviously swallow a tapeworm Oh, yeah. We've talked about this before, haven't we? This is what doctors told ladies to do and just leave it in there until, you know, it had eaten everything. And then she had to pull it out when she went to the toilet. Oh, oh I've seen tempt it out with sugar, pull it out of your throat. Like, oh, yeah. But, it, you know, when it comes out, oh. Talking of weight, this is this is from BuzzFeed. Sorry, I haven't been mentioning all the wonderful places I found all these, so I'll send the links through. But people believe that sitting alone and clearing your head could help a woman to gain weight. So I think this must be when they they liked voluptuous women, and obviously that's how you got a husband in those days. If if you they thought that if you just took a break from thinking and having in you know independent thought, stop being so bloody hysterical then you could just will yourself to gain weight just from being quiet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, right, nearly at the end now. And they thought that some women menstruated incorrectly. Oh, of course, because there I must mean, be a right way to do it. <laughs> I know, you can't do anything right. So in the 19th century, it was believed that if a woman had a visit from the bloody baron and she was getting really bad cramps or it was just like irregular, then it was all her own fault. And she could control it by not having cold drinks or going to swim in the sea. Oh. Which basically sounds like to me they're telling her not to drink any alcohol and not go to the seaside, which are two quite good fun things. So, again, it's just like don't do anything that's fun, ladies. Yeah. And also, could you imagine if men got periods? Well, they'd none just of this like, would have happened, would they? Because they'd be like, oh, this no, is they, just normal. Yeah, and they'd be like, oh, had such a big period, dude. I was like perioding <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like a murder scene up in that room yeah. last night. Yeah, perioded so hard. Um, <laughs> And this is this book is from a book. Sorry, this book. This is there's just a few little facts here. This is for, for all from a book called Unmentionable, the Victorian Lady's Guide to Sex, Marriage, and Manners. Oh, I've read that. Well, I listened to it on oh, audio. Have you? It's really good. Yeah, really good. So, if a woman <laughs> if a woman had sex in any position than on her back, she'd develop fungal growth in her fallopian tubes and then die. <laughs> <laughs> my god so don't have fun okay <laughs> no exactly don't have fun don't have any pleasure where women were told the best way to stay clean was to bathe in ammonia oh my god do you know what though if you found a tooth down there you probably would wouldn't you? well yeah that's true can you imagine how drying and your skin well would be just red raw and your sensitive skin would be 
Well, saying that, freckles were considered an impurity. Uh oh. And they were told that you should burn them off with acid or go outside, get sunburn, and then exfoliate them off. Oh my God. Well, I mean, that's sunburn's going to make them worse that, for a start. Exactly. That's how you get more freckles. I mean, we'd be fucked, wouldn't we? Because. Yeah. I am very I just freckly. Very freckly. But, like, could you imagine getting completely sunburned and then someone going, you have to now scrub oh. all of that? Oh, it would just so there be was, awful. Um, do you remember a Sweet Valley High book? And it was one of the super thrillers. And it was when they went to this resort and it was this resort was to make everyone perfect. And in the end, it was the doctor wanted to, like, steal Jessica and Elizabeth's mum's face because she was so beautiful and she had had like damage but Elizabeth's friend Enid went with them and Enid always had like red curly hair and freckles and it really stuck with me as a kid with freckles because to make her beautiful and perfect they gave her this cream to fade her freckles oh I know and that was in the 90s yeah just that's terrible that was, and that made me not like my freckles which is really yeah, sad. yeah. I I remember when I was younger, and I was like, because I don't, my freckles don't show as much now. I don't know why that is. Whether you lose them as you get older, but I I was quite freckly, and it was always a bit of you like, don't go in the sun. You got freckles, yeah, yeah. Mine come out a lot in the summer. Mm, mine do. I get loads around my mouth, so it just looks like I've been eating chocolate. <laughs> I just look like really messy, like I've got a really messy mouth. <laughs> such a good look anyway but i'll be all right because i'm gonna i'm gonna burn them off with acid this year <laughs> i'll come and scrub you once you're sunburned <laughs> <laughs> just so, yeah. Down, like. yeah um I, I mean i really believe we're just scratching the surface there so if you if yeah. you've heard anything our wonderful listeners then do do get in touch and let us know because i mean we know the world is is not you know a good place to be a woman and it's certainly not still not a good place if you're surfing the crimson wave people have still got a problem with it you know yeah. you're not allowed to talk about it it's a bit like Ugh. and you're just like Dude, yeah don't just... dare drop a tampon somewhere no don't no because somebody handbag. might take it yeah somebody might take your tampon and use it in some medicine or to try and like stop a storm from coming because that's <laughs> how strong period blood is anyway i did mean an unused one. Oh um, right yeah because you definitely shouldn't be dropping yeah that's not hygienic don't do that <laughs> <laughs> what i was talking about at the beginning that doctors believed in and lots of people believed in was maternal impression when they okay. believe that some seeing something or petting a dog or something could affect what your child looked like. And um, poor John Merrick actually believed that that's why he looked the way he did, because his mum saw a parade of elephants. That's and it was awful. like all in the medical reports, isn't it? So sad. So but sad. But then it's like, but anyway, why did more yeah. babies not come out looking like houses or... Yeah. You know, horse and carriage. Like, yeah, it doesn't make any that... sense. No. Because things that would have been yeah. unavoidable to look at. I wonder if that's part of the reason why, because women did a thing called, is it lying in? When they got to a certain point in pregnancy and they just didn't leave the house, they just stayed in. Um, 
so that they couldn't see a safety thing. But I wonder if that was part of it. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, just in case. Yeah, it's just, no, you just can't get your head around it, can you? No. Anyway, I really enjoyed that. And do you know who I was thinking about when I was researching it all, who I thought would be good to talk about all this stuff? Julia Julia Tuff. Tuff. Yeah. She'd be brilliant. Yeah, so Julia has a book. Julia has a book called Hex. Now. Yeah, and Twice Hex. Twice Hex. Um, And they are YA books, and it's based on a girl who, when she gets a period, she gets witchy powers and, like, wreaks havoc. Um, Yeah. Like, gets back the boys who've been mean to her and stuff like that and it, and it's just been yeah. nominated for the lollies hasn't it the laugh out loud award yeah um, yeah if you need a laugh go and read one of julia's books and i i'm sure she wouldn't mind that menstruation made me think of her no i think she would be quite proud <laughs> of that fact actually yeah <laughs> right right so we're changing gears oh. slightly can't we Oh, God. Brace myself um, for this. Yeah. Now, I've I've kept a lot of the graphic stuff out. In fact, I've not looked into a lot of the graphic stuff because there's just stuff I don't need to know. Um, mm. But I think I should probably give a little content warning. There is murder. There is mutilation. There is not very nice stuff. So if it's not your thing, then... See you next week. No judgment. Because yeah. um, I'm going to tell you about the Gainesville Ripper. And I'm going to say straight away that I'm not really, I'm not going to refer to him much as the Gainesville Ripper because I feel like it's quite a glorifying name for yeah. someone who was, he was just an absolute arsehole. Um, mm. And I don't think he deserves to have like a, well, it's not a title, is it? But yeah, he yeah. doesn't deserve to have a title. No. So I'll just refer to him by his name if if I need to. Um, so I watched a lot of documentaries. Um, the best one I watched was World's Worst Serial Killers. It was like season three, episode eight or something like that. Because um, the articles weren't great. I did I read one on allthatsinteresting.com, but it very much glossed over everything, including the victims. I really wanted to talk about the victims and who they were, but there's just not too much information. Um, But anyway, so 1990, Gainesville, Florida, there were four days of absolute terror that inspired the movie Scream. So this case was what Kevin Williamson kind of, thought about when he was writing Scream um, so we'll start with the the killer because I don't want to talk about him too much, he was called mm. Danny Rolling, he was born in 1954 and he had a, a crap life, he had a really awful upbringing his dad was abusive, his dad was a policeman um, kind of got away with everything that he did, was very abusive to to Danny, to his brother, to the mum Um the mum was depressed and abused and tried to leave several times, but always went back, ended up trying to kill herself. Um, I actually thought she did kill herself, but then I couldn't find, I mean, mm. typical, the mum. There was no more information. Yeah. Um, but he had a horrible upbringing. However, 
there are many people who have got horrible upbringings who don't turn into serial killers. True. So it's no excuse. Um, so he he kind of he was um, he would go wandering in the evening, like to avoid his dad, and he'd just go in when he was young. Yeah, when he was younger, yeah. he'd just like wander off into the woods nearby and whatever. And he got this habit of looking in through windows. Um, oh. And part of it was to, he would see families that were actually nice oh. to each other. And yeah. I know, and that bit's quite sad. Mm. Um, but then it turned into Peeping Tom, thing, which Peeping Tom was that cute name for, you know, teenage boys who just happened to look in a woman's window as she was undressing. But we now know that, Lots and lots of serial killers had those tendencies early on, those yeah. like voyeuristic tendencies, and that it's something that you should be worried about. It's not a fun thing that boys just do. Um, mm. You know, if someone's been a peeping tom, then it needs to be addressed. So he did all this stuff, and because he was very much left to his own devices, when it got to the late 70s, he started to commit petty crime. Um, and this went on all the way up to 1990. So he would do theft. He was in and out of jail. He was just a mess. In 1990, he got out of jail and he got a part-time job. And something happened. One of the documentaries I said um, I saw said he missed a shift and he got fired. And he said that the shift had been changed. He didn't mean to miss it. Like, it was really unfair. Right. And it was his last straw. He just absolutely lost his shit. He went home. Um, he argued with his dad, who was still around, and he shot him. Oh, so he ended up shooting his dad. His dad survived, but lost an eye and an ear. Oh, <gasps> he shot him in the face. Shot him in the face. <gasps> yeah, but he survived. God. <laughs> um, but after he did that, he changed his identity, like got some dodgy documents, and he left his hometown of Shreveport, Louisiana, and he got a bus to Sarasota. Sarasota is in Florida, and it was um, near where Ted Bundy committed his crimes. He had a bit of a thing about Ted Bundy, because Bundy had happened in, like, the Mm. late 70s. So he had grown up hearing about Ted Bundy's crimes and probably seeing bits from the trial and stuff. Um, Because later on he says, I wanted to be famous like Bundy. So he was just, yeah. That's not the right kind of famous, though, is it, really? It's not. And But he also, oh, he was just very cringy. Like, there's, he used to record himself singing his songs that he'd written. And mm. it, he he wanted to be famous. And he, oh, it was just weird. So by August of 1990, he was living in the woods. In one of the podcasts I listened to said it was like, a really sad little um, cartoon type shack, you know, like yeah, two yeah. sticks and a and a blanket kind of set up. They're not a proper tent or anything. So he was living out in the woods um, in Gainesville, Florida. So Gainesville was a university town, and at the end of August, there was a lot of students moving into accommodation um, right. to like start a new year. So. He, one of the recordings that was later found, he like, I think he like apologises to his mum and dad for never having the relationship they should have had, probably for shooting his dad in the face as well. Um, 
apologizes to his brother to say like we should have you know been thick as these growing up and we weren't um and then he says but i've just got to go and do something and the something that he had to go and do was to break into an apartment where two young women had they had just moved in together oh, they were freshmen so they were just about to start their first year of university they were strangers to each other they had moved in um I think at one point he says something like he watched them through the window and they were like washing dishes and laughing together. And oh. and he thought, oh, well, I know how to ruin this. Um, so Sonia Larson was 18 and Christina Powell was 17. And he broke into the home. Um, on World's Worst Serial Killers, it said that uh, Sonia was upstairs asleep in bed and Christina had fallen asleep on the sofa. And... They were both um, small, petite brunettes, which was just like Rollins' ex-wife and mother. Oh. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. So he had a type. Um, so when he went in, he saw the girl asleep on the sofa. He pretty much decided that that was going to be his main target and he would come back to her. When he had a look around, um, Sonia was asleep upstairs, so he attacked her. He bound her in duct tape, which became a thing that he did. But he's very clever. Like, he would take the duct tape with him and dispose of it in different bins and things. So he never left them. So it's sad that he, like, learned things from his dad. So God knows what his dad did. What, the duct tape The duct tape that he used on, would he remove it from them? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. So he. it was thought through. <laughs> That's really, I know, obviously, murdering somebody and mutilating them is really cold, but that's like, that's so detached, isn't it? Oh, it gets worse. Yeah, it gets mm. worse. Yeah. So when he, I mean, this is where if you've seen Scream, you can probably see some of the parallels. He would um, turn them over and stab them in the back until they had died. Um, allegedly, he went back and... Uh, trigger warning um mm. raped her after she was dead um and then he went downstairs and he did the same to christina um and he cut their nipples off and kept them as trophies oh my goodness yeah oh cynthia i know he then cleaned the bodies sometimes he would clean them with cleaning fluids if he couldn't find any he would clean them with vinegar um, so he was getting rid of evidence. So he obviously knew about DNA and things like that, even though it was like very early 90s. Mm. And then he would pose them in sexually provocative ways for whoever would come in and Found find them. them. <gasps> yeah. Um, oh, and then he had a shower before he left. Oh. So he was, and like I said, he would take the duct tape with him. Um, so he was really like completely almost detached from yeah it was like and not being worried about so he'd have a shower there before he left so he was obviously quite calm it's not like he was sort of rushing around in a frenzy yeah taking his time um well obviously knew they lived alone together and yeah but they were students there's no parents coming back um so he did this and then the next day he did it again so he broke into an apartment of another girl called Christina Hoyt. She was 18, uh, but she wasn't at home, but she was another petite brunette. So he'd obviously 
seen her somewhere or had his eye on her. Um, so he waited for her. And when she got in, he attacked her, did the same horrible things. Um, however, this time after she was dead, he went one step further. And this is what earned him the name of the Ripper because it was uh, in the press. They, they associated it with Jack the Ripper. Uh, he cut her open from her abdomen, her pu cut open her abdomen from her pubic bone to her breastbone. So just oh. yeah, and then he left, cleaned, cleaned her, all that stuff. Um, but when he got back to his sad little campsite, he realised he dropped his wallet somewhere. So he went oh. back because obviously, if he dropped his wallet, it would have ID and whatever in mm. it. When he got back. That's when he decided he would pose her. Oh gosh! So he'd left and obviously thought about it, and then come back. This is really bad. So if you're squeamish, just skip forward for like thirty seconds. Um, he posed her in a sitting position on the edge of the bed. He cut her nipples off and put them next to her, and then he decapitated her, and he put her head on the shelf next to the body and positioned it so it was like it was looking down at the body oh that is so i feel really bad even saying that out loud but it's just so look he's just so detached from reality really detached but he's he's thought this out to kind of arrange it in the way that he's arranged it yeah Apparently, he would also use mirrors sometimes to, like, oh, reflect. So I know. So he had this, God knows. Um, I wonder if he was, se did you say he was, a I wonder if he was sexually abused as a child as well. I mean, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me. It, yeah, because mm. there was there's a lot going on there, isn't there? Mm. Um, but he later said that he did this specifically just to shock whoever found the body, which I can imagine whoever found that body would have just been in therapy for the rest of their life like it's one thing to even yeah. think about it it's another thing to think that that really happened to a person you know it's the, it is the kind of thing you would see in a horror film oh yeah like a definitely. really graphic horror film yeah it's like sore or something isn't it or seven yeah or, or hostile yeah. there was like yeah ones that were yeah. in the 2000s um so when these bodies were found this had happened over two days so of course Gainesville went into massive panic um students went home you know there was kids that had just gone to start school and there's there's young women there who were petite and brunette and and they just went home um, mm. but i mean not all of them did so there was a there's a podcast called the first degree and it's called the first degree because they interview someone who's got an actual connection to the case so they right. call them their first degree of separation yeah. or whatever um, and it was a woman who was there at the time and she was doing medical school I think and she was like mm. well this is why I didn't go home like it was too much money it was too you know we were meant to be starting all of these things and I was there at medical school it was a big deal so for me to yeah. go home it would have been giving up or it would have, I couldn't transfer mm. anywhere like what am I supposed to do um but and, and also you're young to just change no. and you're young no. yeah and you're invincible aren't you, you yeah 
you're 18 that's you just think well I'm careful that won't happen to me and I've got you know I live in this secure house and that's you yeah. know yeah so he um this was all going on massive media coverage everywhere like you know vans and tv stations just like scream I imagine like just yeah you know yeah everywhere but it didn't stop him and I think because he was living out in the woods he was probably like part removed from it all he mm. probably didn't realize the extent of the media coverage and stuff because where would yeah, you say he wouldn't no um so on August the 27th which is I think two two days later um he broke into the home of Tracy Pauls who was 23 so she was another small brunette lady um who there was actually there's a picture of her on there's pictures of all of them on the documentary and they're all just like super cute little 90s teenagers but mm -hmm. she is like beauty queen had there's a picture of her with flowers and a crown on and you know yeah. so he'd obviously seen her and thought well um but when he broke in I'm not sure if he didn't realize but she had a male roommate called um. Manuel Taboda um, so when he broke in, Manuel was asleep, so he went and attacked him, and Manuel struggled, which alerted Tracy. He did end up killing Manuel, um, but oh. then Tracy had run into her bedroom, and he broke in, and he did exactly the same to her that he'd done with all of the other women. Um, oh uh, cleaned and posed her body, but didn't go back to the man. So it was definitely a very no, specific, so it was like fetish thing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So within like four days, there had been five murders. And because in this one, a man had been murdered, it really kind of kicked up the, you know, they were like, nobody's oh. safe now. It's not just. Yeah, nobody's safe now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's anybody. He's going to kill anybody. Um, and all these murders had happened within two miles of each other and the University of Florida. So it was in a very specific area. Yeah. Um, so the University of Florida actually cancelled classes for a week, which I kind of thought, yeah, of course they would do. But then when you think of the logistics of a massive university and them cancelling everything for a week, like you're in a serious situation then, aren't you? That's scary. Yeah. Um and I feel like that's also but partly wasn't removing the problem, really, were they? Exactly. Is that removing some yeah. kind of responsibility? Because you know, would that not have been a safe space for the students to go? Yeah, and were they just so, assuming that because there was no classes everybody would go home, but then obviously we've said yeah that that's not what happened and that's not yeah. what would happen. No, look at Scream, yeah. they have a party. And yeah, exactly. You see kids doing that, you know, like yeah. all getting together yeah. and because um, it says people stayed together, they, you know, they all moved in together. They, you know, it just became this big thing. Um, but about 700 students just never came back. So a lot of people did leave and just transferred or just said, nope. Wow. Um, so that all happened. Um, Nobody knew who had done it. He'd been quite good at covering his tracks. And 
a couple of people, I'm not going to name them because they were never, they didn't do it. Um, mm. so a couple of people were suspected and like then their names and their photographs and things were put in newspapers and so bad isn't it just awful and one of them was a young man who he'd had a car accident and a massive brain injury oh. and um, he had just got himself kind of back to normal he'd mm. um, I think he was on medication and he had started university and it was like his first normal thing that he'd done in a while and then he'd come off his medication and started acting a little bit off. So it was clearly him. So he mm-hmm. was, you know, and he was really just, he was the guy who did it. And he was in all the newspapers. And he was this 18-year-old who'd already had a really traumatic oh. experience. Um, yeah. And then it was actually the woman on that first degree, she was like the relief when we got told that somebody had been caught for it. She said, but then yeah, also... Yeah, so you'd be willing to believe. Yeah. She said there was relief, but there was also a bit of... That was a bit quick, and are you sure? it were, You know, it was all a bit convenient. Yeah. Um, it was this guy, so she said, so you just kind of didn't know what to think. So these people had kind of been um, looked into, investigated... And Rolling was off doing, like, robberies in places. So he did a couple of bank holdups. Um, and then later on, police found his campsite but without knowing it was his campsite. And there was, like, marked bills in there from this bank robbery. So they knew that the bank robber had been staying there and they collected all the stuff up at the campsite. And then Rolling, obviously, came back. His campsite was gone, so he left. Um and he was arrested after a supermarket robbery a few weeks later. But right. completely unrelated to the murders. And obviously, mm. he didn't say anything about it. Um, but then they, they, so they got a tip on crime, like Crime Watch. I can't remember the name of it. So it was like the American version of Crime Watch. Someone rang up and it was this woman. Yeah. And she was from Shreveport, Louisiana, which is where Rolling was originally from. And she said, I've seen that these things have happened and um, a a similar murder happened here not that long ago. And I just keep thinking about this one guy and I feel like you Mm. should look into him. And the reason she... Well, because apparently, um, I think it had been at church as well, like the, her husband had become friends with Rolling at church somehow and stuff. And then one day came in and said, yeah, he's he, we can't have him back. And she was like, why? And he said, well, because he told me um, that one of his hobbies was that he likes to stick knives in people. <laughs> so what? he was like, I'm not going to invite him back. <laughs> so she said she just yeah. kept thinking about him. So... Because they had this tip, they then looked into these murders in Shreveport. Um, So, in 1989, and it was like November, so it was late, so it was not not even a year before the Gainesville murders. Um, Julie, who was 24, Tom, who was 55, and Sean Grissom, who was eight, had all been killed. So... 
uh, Tom was Julie's dad oh. and Sean was Tom's grandson. So I think Julie was like the auntie. Um, so mm. basically he had met Julie and become slightly obsessed with her so they could link them together. And he followed them home one night. He watched them through the window doing their happy family thing and he broke in and he killed them. Um, Again, Julie's body had been posed, mutilated and cleaned, but the others had been left. So they had now these two cases in Florida and in Louisiana that were like identical and they had this guy's name. So they went and had a look at the evidence from the campsite in Gainesville and they managed to link evidence, I think it was blood, they managed to link blood from there to the original um, Shreveport murders because he hadn't right. been that good. And there's a really nasty way that they found out it was him because when he'd cleaned himself up, he hadn't quite got rid of everything. Um, oh. So they'd, they'd found things that they could mm -hmm. like get DNA from. Um, so eventually the evidence that was there was then matched to the Gainesville case. And... They decided, which I think in 1990 is pretty good, they um, they said, right, we're going to DNA test every prisoner who was brought in in wow. Florida within, a, within like this time period. And when That's they did, the sort of thing that you think when you're watching a show or a film, don't you? You're like, why don't they just test everybody that... So that's yeah. really well done, team. Yeah, so they they got him. That's how they got him. So... He wow. then, um, he was then like, yeah, it was me. It was me. Um, he was connected to an earlier sexual assault where he'd left the woman alive. I can't yeah. imagine how she would. I mean, no. it's bad enough to go through something like that, but then to find out what he'd like later gone on to do. Um, so in November 91, which is a year later, he was charged with five counts of murder because they couldn't, he had never confessed to the ones in Shreveport and because it was in a different state they couldn't charge him I don't think right so he was just charged for the murders in Florida because that's where he was being held um he pleaded guilty which nobody thought he would but he just yeah stood up at trial pleaded guilty said he wanted to be a quote superstar like Ted Bundy um there's a whole other thing about this female reporter who has his life story. No, she's not as cool because she falls in love with him. Oh. And she's going to marry him. And, oh, it's awful. Oh. And, like, he sings to her in court. And it's just the most. Oh, my cringe. goodness. So I've kept her out on purpose because it was just ridiculous. Mm. Um, so he was sentenced to death in April 1994, and just before his execution, he wrote a letter confessing to the three murders in Shreveport as well. Um, he was right. executed by lethal injection in October 2006. So it doesn't seem that long ago. Um, he did try a final appeal, but they threw it out mm. immediately. And he sang a gospel hymn as he was being killed. Uh so there's a memorial now on the 34th Street Wall in Gainesville. Um, 
near where the murders happened. It was first right. done in 1990, but people have maintained it and kept it up ever since. Um, mm. And it's a big black wall with the words remember and lots of love hearts. And it's got the five students' names on it. But it's not oh. got the other names. So to finish, um, not on him. So going to just list the names that are on the memorial and the ones that are not. So Sonia Larson, Christina Powell, Krista Hoyt, Tracy Pauls, Manuel Taboda, Julie Grissom, Tom Grissom, and Shorts. And unfortunately, I couldn't find out much about them because I would have liked to talk about no. them rather than him. Um, yeah. But there we go. Gosh. <sighs> so he was obviously a psychopath. He was obviously... well. So there's bits in it where he says, so there's like one thing where he says that it was a demon called Gemini mm. that told him to do it. And he tried to make out that he had like what would have been called split personality disorder at the time. And and it was, none of it was ever proven. Mm. People were like, no, he's just a psychopath. He's just, he's obviously, he's been yeah, badly or, abused and he's got that switch, Yeah, you know because he had no remorse about any of it like he wasn't upset no and the last um when maybe, he wrote the letter he sorry. was like yeah when he when he wrote the confession letter he was like oh i did take the lives of these wonderful lights in the world and but it sounds more like he's picking himself up rather than anything yeah else. just saying all the right things oh just gross um so that is so my new book has got like some old murders in there. So that's mm. unfortunately what has um, what I've been researching recently. So it, is it, it? Have you used him, or have you? Yeah, <laughs> are you come coming up with your own serial killer person made up of all these different things that you've? found with your research yeah pretty much this one i think interested me because of the scream aspect yeah and also that um because my new book is set in a small town and these mm. things happened so i wanted that kind of small town claustrophobic you know looking into how people actually would have coped yeah. with it and what would have happened yeah. and um you know Things like the university shutting down classes, like mm. that's that's quite a big deal. Um, yeah, so yeah, but it's just I, so sad. Yeah, and I think, as you say, because well, it's it's awful to happen to anybody. But you're young and you're going off to start uni, and you're going to meet new friends, and it's really exciting, and your whole family yeah. is excited for you and everything, and and for it to just be cut short like that, such a violent and grotesque way. Yeah, and I think it, it like just, I think about the families and the fact you know these parents had let their kids move away to go yeah. and live alone, probably encouraged them. Oh yeah, and then yeah, that happened. Really like sad. how how do you live with that? I mean, it's not not their fault by any stretch of the imagination, but they would just never forgive themselves. Like how do you live with no. that? Um, yeah. So that's what I wanted the real human aspect of it mm. I think research wise but then he did such horrible things you can see like the horror movie aspect of it 
you know, really yeah. shocking graphic kind of things. So I'm I'm really sorry, everyone. <laughs> I do I feel dirty for even having said some of that out loud. I know what you mean. It's but you know, this is why we're here, isn't it? To be just dirty. to change the su- just to change the subject <laughs> entirely. I always think it's amazing what an amazing writer Kevin Williamson is that he wrote Scream, but also wrote Dawson's Creek. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> was it not on here that I was saying recently? I rewatched Dawson's Creek last year and then they took it off Netflix before I finished. I was devastated. Uh, but I actually really enjoyed it. And But in the background of Dawson's room, because he's got all of these posters, because he's mm. a film guy, isn't he? He's like yeah. making movies. And uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer is just so prominently featured all the time. Ooh. And I was like, why? And it's because Kevin Williamson was writing that at yeah. the same time, or it was released at the same time. So he had his finger yeah. in so many different ties. Like, he did. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, unrelated as well, I watched... Uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare the other night. Oh, yeah. Which I think I've probably seen before, but I don't remember. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have seen it. I don't remember it. So it's the one where, so it's after all the Nightmare on Elm Street films. And Mm. as you're watching it, it's the same actress, Heather Lagenkamp, I think she's called. Yeah. But it's as if she has been the actress in all of the films. That's it. And And it's got Craven's in it. Yeah, that's it. And Robert England is like in it, isn't he? As, As the actor, like, who's the actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I love it. Like, I love those sorts of. It was yeah. so clever. But when I was thinking, it was out in nineteen ninety four or five, mm. um, which is around the same time Scream was out, like ninety five, ninety six, wasn't it? So he was doing all this meta stuff with Craven and Kevin. Yeah, and you can you can just see how their brains were working together. Like, what could you do that's different? Um, yeah. Luke thought it was terrible and fell asleep, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it was just really different. And it, I thought it was a really yeah. fun way to be like, to reinvent a classic. Instead of doing a remake, they they were like, yeah. oh, well, none of it was actually real, but Freddie wants to come to life now. And, and like Wes Craven's actually in it, doing a little monologue about how his films are what kept Freddie um, oh, cool. contained for all Wes these Wes Craven years. was in... He was in Scream, wasn't he? He was the, he's like one second, he's the janitor when oh, the fox looks out of his office. Yeah, and the janitor's standing there. That's Wes Craven. That's fun. That's the kind of thing. If any of yeah. my books ever got adapted, I'd be like, just give me a, just a little walk. Yeah. On. It'd be really good fun. Yeah. <laughs> I can't promise I'll be good. But <laughs> I wrote the book. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do what I want, mate. Exactly. I wrote the book. Yeah. Okay oh. then, that was a long one. It was. That's the nice thing, though. I think about having one every two weeks now. We've got a bit more time to get into it a bit. Yeah, more. yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's not as exhausting. No. And this was because I was looking into it anyway, so writing it up was easier. You know, because yes, there was yeah, so much in my head. Yeah. Um, I'm quite looking forward to forgetting it all. To be quite honest. Uh, I'll just use the bits that I need. And, yeah. And luckily I write YA, so a lot of it will be glossed over anyway. Um, yeah. Actually, one of my friends just finished The Midnight Game. So I really enjoyed it, but God knows what goes on in your head. 
<laughs> and I was like, yes, I should probably be in therapy, but that's what my books are for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's therapy. Yeah. Right. All right, then we will okay. see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, speak soon, guys. Um, don't forget, by the way, if you want to email us, it's deletemypodcast at gmail.com. You can send us in anything that has interested you or if you've got little kind of tidbits about what we've been talking about that we've not discussed that you think we might not know, you can let us know those as well. Um, and if you would rate, review and subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen, that would be really good as well. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Browser history deleted.